Welcome to Channel Journeys, the podcast for channel professionals that will enable and inspire you to create your best channel journey ever. Meet and learn from channel experts who share authentic stories of their channel victories, defeats, and lessons learned along the way. Here's your host, Rob Speed, a channel chief on a never-ending quest for channel knowledge and adventure. Hello, channel pros. Thank you for listening. Whatever you're doing when you listen, walking, running, driving, multitasking, whatever it is, it's an honor to be part of your day. And if you're enjoying the podcast, I hope you'll take a few minutes out of your day and post a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And I hope you're making time in your day to take a break occasionally. As you'll hear in today's podcast, we've really got to make an effort, an extra effort to take care of our own mental health and the health of our teams as well. Today, I'm talking with Mark Monday. He is the head of Citrix's global partner go-to-market strategies, and he's been posting a lot of articles lately on LinkedIn about the more human side of our work, and I I was catching a a glimpse of those posts as he was making them and and really was eager to chat with Mark. You're going to hear about some lessons learned from a recent study that Citrix did on the impact of the lockdowns in the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. There have been some upsides to going virtual that we've all seen, but also some big risks that we need to pay attention to so that we don't get burned out, which would obviously degrade our performance. And you may be feeling some of that. I know I have been. One of my favorite mental health days is every Saturday when I go out for a long bike ride with a, a group of fellow bike fanatics. And it's just really fun to, to get out with them and get out in the fresh air and, and really exert ourselves and, and challenge ourselves and just take mind off of work. But after my conversation with Mark, I'm thinking more about how can I work in smaller breaks during each workday? You're going to hear that that's really super important. This is a slightly different sort of Channel Journeys conversation, but I really enjoyed it, and I hope you do too. All right, are you ready to get a bit personal? Let's go. Hey, Mark, good afternoon, and welcome to the Channel Journeys podcast. Great to finally have you on the show. Rob, I'm so stoked to be here. I am really looking forward to this conversation. It's a subject that is near and dear to my heart. Well, I kind of tell that it is based on the the posts that you are posting on LinkedIn, which have been a lot around this topic that we're, we're kind of dancing around, but we'll let the audience know what we're talking about soon. So I've been wanting to get you on the show for quite a long time. I met you when you did a presentation on the Influencer Channel. That's right, in San Diego. Yeah, that was a while ago, but uh, that was way before COVID. It was, right? yes. <laughs> Back when I was on an airplane, you know, five out of six days or whatever. Yeah. So that was like a totally different world, but it's a new world now and it a new is. topic. And well, first off, let's tell everyone, where are you bunkered, hunkered down? So I'm Mark Monday and I live here uh, in Seattle, Washington, your hometown. And it is a lovely 45 degrees and no rain. Uh, so it's a perfect winter day here in Seattle. That is a beautiful day in Seattle. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, great. And tell us real quickly what you do. You're your primary yes. mission right now. Yeah. So I lead uh, channel strategy for Citrix, and it is the most exciting time to be in that business. Um, If you think about this digital transformation that everyone's experienced in the last nine months, everyone has become a power user remote work. And for uh, a company like ours that empowers people to do their best work wherever they are, it's the perfect combination. And I'm a user because I work remotely from home all the time now. And I work very closely with our partners in terms of driving our overall strategies and go-to-market and helping customers move to remote, remote, secure, 
desktop experiences. You guys are in the sweet spot, aren't you? For, it's true. for everything, yeah, for everything I mean, that's it, going on. You know, if you think about it, you know, Citrix is such an amazing company. For 30 years, we've been helping customers do and manage work remotely in server-based computing for desktops. But in this new world order, this workspace, this, you know, where we live in our laptop is so critical to everything that we do. And so our strategy is really on point with what people are doing. And the other cool thing about it is you don't have to explain it to people anymore. What does that look like? Well, you know, when you're sitting at home and you're talking to someone on a webcast, it's exactly like this. And so um, that's very cool. Yeah. Well, you don't have to explain Citrix, but you probably still have to explain what a channel is to anyone outside our industry or our network. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm always looking for analogs. You know, it's like, oh, it's kind of like when you go to buy a car, it's a dealer network, or it's like when you try to, you know, buy some plumbing supplies and, you know, they come through a plumbing supply distributor and maybe you pick it up at the Home Depot or maybe you get it from a plumber that shows up at your house. And, you know, you're always looking for those analogs so that a normal mortal can understand it. But lived my whole life in the channel and I absolutely love it. And the thing that's great about it is the channel and channel partners are constantly reinventing themselves as technology waves roll through. And this is just one of those inflection points where Mm -hmm. the power of the cloud, the power of digital transformation is all happening all at once to everyone, regardless of the type of work that you do. It is, it is. And obviously this whole pandemic and what it's forced us to do from working from home and everything is has changed a lot of things and putting new pressures and creating new opportunities. And you posted an article, Lessons from the First Wave, the, the Downside and Big Burnout. And you posted that on LinkedIn. I read it and I thought, man, this is a really interesting topic that I'd love to dive into further. And, and it was a, it was based on a survey that, that Citrix initiated, right? That, that's right. That, yeah. That kicked this off. Yeah, that's right. Um, Citrix has worked with a, a company called Verge, which is part of the LAB group in the UK. And it was basically an assessment to understand what has happened to work during the pandemic. And what does that mean for users, users of technology, and what does that mean for managers? And it's a two-part series, and we'll go through a little bit of both. There's some some good things I think we've all experienced in the pandemic. Being home for dinner with our families more often is one thing I think of, or being able to exercise more frequently. And then yep. there's some of the downsides th- of just being away from people and being always on and maybe not having some of those boundaries. Yeah, this is really interesting. And it goes a little bit off my normal course of, of interviews on the podcast, which is really around channel strategy. How do we drive more through the channels? And this is a bit more touchy-feely as you and I were, were talking about it, but I think it's really important that we think about it as channel leaders and, and how we need to perhaps lead differently. And then you also brought up a good point to me about creating new opportunities as for our partners and us as vendors too in the marketplace. So we can talk about both slants, both uh, aspects to that. I agree. I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago that I was going to be an authority on talking about touchy-feely relationship aspects of work, I would have told you were crazy. But it's true. We are human beings. We're in an unprecedented time, uh, something that's never happened in any of our lifetimes, and the pressures are everywhere. The nice thing is we're learning a lot on how we work. Uh, We're learning a lot about where we work because work really isn't a place anymore. Mm-mm. It's a moment. It's a time. It's, you know, we talk about giving people space to work wherever they need to work. And if that's in your extra bedroom, that's great. I've seen people working in their garages. 
that's always fun to see someone doing a webcast from their garage. Uh, I see people in cabins in their backyard or in trailers. I have one friend who has a yurt and he works from a yurt. A yurt. <laughs> cool. And so, you know, I think it is that moment where we just have to, to be real. And then the other cool and interesting thing is never before were we in each other's houses having business meetings. You right. can see me right now in my meeting with my snowboard behind me and my uh, Godzilla action characters. And all of a sudden we have a new relationship. I can see the sailboats behind you. Yeah, That is different than when we're in a conference room. Um, and so this will be a little bit of a different discussion, but I'm super excited about it. And I don't want to forget that this does breed some really interesting opportunities for partners and, mm -hmm. and want to make sure that we get to that eventually. Yeah, let's definitely. So let's, it was a two-part article um, that was written about this survey. So let's start with the first part one, which is, I think, a little bit more of the upside. Yeah. Some of the benefits that we've seen, maybe we expected or maybe we didn't expect them coming out of this. Well, I really liked the way that they formulated the survey. And I actually liked also the way that they delivered the content. Again, the survey was done by a company called Verge, V-E-R-J, part of the UK-based lab group. But they really started with some of the positives. Should we back up? How did they conduct the survey? What were they? What did they use as data to come up with this information? It was a couple things. So they did a survey, and then they also created this Reddit conversation. So it was highly interactive. So it was a little bit of quantitative data and then quite a bit of qualitative feedback as well. And looking at a lot of social media data, right? Not yes. just Reddit. Not just Reddit, but but again, I think the, the Reddit thread is the thing that, that federated it, but they're really looking across some of the, the social listening or, or keywords that people were talking about in terms of um, this experience of the lockdowns. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, perfect. All right. So so the 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 first thing that I, I thought was interesting is that, you know, seven X of the respondents said one of the upsides is less distractions working at home. You don't have the pop-ins. You don't have the, you know, someone walking into your office and interrupting. Um, you know, you may have your children or your dog. That's a different thing. But less distractions uh, at yeah. home in general. Um, and I think that's true. Now, the distractions you have at home sometimes are much more emotional or impactful. You know, if the dog needs to go out and you're in the middle of a call, you have to resolve that. Or if your kid comes in and they need some help with something, you have to do that. But in general, I would say my experience and maybe yours is too. I do find I have more focused time uh, once I, you know, once I get off my calls for the day. Yeah, definitely. And, and I do recall early on our CEO at, at our company, OutSystems, was coming on and doing, I don't know, at first, very frequent meetings, you know, trying to help us all through this. And one of the things he was telling all of us was, guys, slow down. You've got to take a break. And we weren't because you're just like, because there aren't interruptions, you're not taking that walk down to the to the coffee bar or going out for lunch or whatever. It's just like always on. And he said, you got to slow down and take a break. Yeah, I think it, well, there's an article that was going around last week, maybe two weeks ago. It was a Harvard Business Review article, and it talked about the power of just going for a walk. And as a leadership team, we talked about that for probably 30 or 40 minutes. There's something about, you know, the, the bad part of not being in the office is you don't, you know, dip down to get a coffee or go for a walk at lunch or walk to lunch. And so, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that was interesting to me through this whole process, and I'm sure everyone's experienced it, is all of a sudden my calendar was filled 50 hours a week. Well, yeah. in the pre-pandemic world, I was on an airplane 50% of the time. I wasn't doing 20, you know, I wasn't doing 50 hours of meetings and all of a sudden I was doing 50 hours of meetings. Right. And that airplane time I realized was thinking time. 
and structure time and planning time. And all of a sudden it went away. Um, yeah. So that was that is definitely one of the, the the learnings I would say. So that was one of the benefits that they saw. What what else did they find? Another one that I I think this maybe has changed a little bit, but at the time you know, there was a huge preponderance of people that said I don't miss the commute, and I would have said that for the first six or seven months. <laughs> that might have shifted. But I've read an article just today, in fact, and I've been doing this as well, where you do sort of a a false commute or mm. a pretend commute, and you know, there was a point where, you know, I was getting up at, let's say, 6.07 a.m. for a 6.30 meeting, and I had just enough time to go to my coffee machine before I set up for the day. Um, at least once a week, I try to get up, drive somewhere, listen to the radio, and get a cup of coffee, and then drive home. And it's amazing that that commute time, which at times can be very frustrating, is also a place where you're thinking and you didn't realize it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing a little bit of that now as well. I bet that feels like a real treat. You know, I love listening to the radio. And one of the things that I realized, and maybe this happened to you as well, I consumed almost all of my music, all of my podcasts on airplanes. And I was looking at my Spotify for the year. And so January, it looks, you know, normal, heavy consumption, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hours a week. Uh, early February, the same. And then March, it just disappeared. And I realized probably around June that I hadn't listened to anything on Spotify in several months. And that was really, really interesting to me because I was like, well, wait, that's one of the ways that you sort of refresh your mental battery. And so I came back to that. Yeah. You, you just are mentally tired at the end of the day. If you don't have that little recharge at points during the day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, a couple other positives. I mean, the reality is, and this will be a little bit for the for the the channel people in the audience, you know, mm -hmm. there still is a requirement and a need for security and working remote securely is really important for people. And I think in those instances where employees have, you know, multi-factor authentication and they feel like they're very connected, you know, that seemed to be a positive for people. I would suspect that companies that weren't prepared for that probably wasn't quite as positive. Yeah, they had to scramble to catch up. Yeah. And then I think that the other one is that, you know, there's more reason and need for leadership uh, and management to engage and not just on the work itself, but also on, you know, how the work is going to get done. You know, you think about those examples where you're working on a big project and you do a kickoff and everyone flies to a specific location. You lock yourself in a room for six hours, you whiteboard it out, and then that night you go out for a nice dinner. Um, and now we try to cram that into a, you know, a couple one or two hour meetings over the course of the week. And there's some efficiency that's gained from that. And then there's also this you know, disconnectedness that comes from that as well. Do you think this has driven more connection with leadership in companies? I don't know if you've seen that at Citrix. I'm going to say yes, because here's what I think I have noticed is that there have been more discussions in the last year around mental health, well-being, work-life balance. And I just hear people ask more frequently, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. And so I think there is this appreciation. And I don't know if it's just because you're beamed in live to someone's house or if it's we just miss that human interaction. But I think that one thing I've seen is the level of kindness, I don't know how you quantify that, yeah. seems to have increased. Concern and, or empathy. Yeah. Yes, agree. Yeah, yeah. I would say so too. We, we do a, a employee survey probably every two weeks in the company. 
and you know the, the questions vary every couple of weeks, but a lot of them are on that topic of you know kind of well being. How are you doing? Yeah, and I think you know the other thing that I'm always been a big proponent of of using vacation time. And the, here at Citrix, people have been really intentional about that. Like, just because it's a pandemic and just because you can't you know get on a plane and go somewhere, doesn't mean you don't need time to recharge. Use your vacation time. Don't work while you're gone. I mean, very basic, simple things. But again, it goes back to that empathy thing of like, wow, you, we've been doing this nonstop now for 10 months. Everybody needs a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's move on to part two. And this is the one that I read first, actually, before I saw the part one that really got me interested in the, the mental side of it, the mental health side of it. Yeah. Maybe just to stay on the, on the first one, I think the other observation I'll have, and it's more of like a, yeah. a, you know, a personal one, I have had more experiences with people virtually and, and online where they talk about the things they're doing to stay balanced. I have seen more people get excited about running or biking or reading or music. And maybe everybody was really into those things before, probably they were, but now there seems to be a real, maybe to your point around empathy, a real interest in understanding what people are doing to find that balance. And I just think that's been an incredible positive. You know, early on, I challenged my team. I said, what can we do to make this fun? And one of my team members said, well, why don't we post for the virtual backdrop, just pictures of what we're doing? Yeah. And that was really fun. And, and some are better than others, but one of the guys, he's fantastic. So every call, not just every day, every call, he's got a different picture. Yeah. And, it, and it's just really fun because you learn a lot about someone and, and sometimes they're things that he's done. And sometimes he's just grabbing fun photos, but you really get to know their personality and, and so much better than you would perhaps just in, in our old working relationship. I can remember working with people for maybe several years and never talking about my passion for snowboarding. Mm-hmm. But now, if, I've got, if we're doing a video and I have a snowboard in the background, we'll probably talk about it. That's right. I post pictures from the mountains where I just was last weekend, and people are like, wow, where is that? Tell me more. Yeah. So that is a great little hack right there of just building connectedness, changing your background to something interesting. It's just a great way to have that moment of human discussion before you dive into the meeting at hand. Remember the old sales tip when you're walking into the office, look for the photos, like does the guy have a photo of golf or something? Somehow to relate to the to the prospect. It's early that's exactly on. right. I mean, just you know, the the boundaries just come down if someone just has a little bit of interest in, oh, I I see you've got a picture of a wave behind you. Where is that? Is that a place that you've been? And it's exactly that old thing of like, you know, you see pictures of two little kids and you say, Oh, I, I have little kids. Do you have little kids? Exactly. So that that is definitely a positive. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then, you know, just lastly, I would say on a personal level, uh, I've slept in my own bed for more than 300 days in a row, which I've never done in my adult life. I've had dinner with my family almost every single night for a year, which is something that I've never done before. And so as much as it has been challenging, there are some absolute silver linings in this whole experience. Yeah, I say so too, Mark. And for Parents of young kids, on one hand, it's really challenging for them. You know, kids, especially when they can't go to school, it's all virtual. That's really got to be tough. My kids are older. But at the same time, that being home with them all the time, which you and I didn't have because right. we were we were traveling so much, yeah. we missed a lot of that, actually. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just one of those things where we, you know, we've maybe in the past have fallen into this trap of having a work life and a home life and never shall the two meet. 
And now when your work is in your home, you're the whole person. And it's almost like that Brene Brown thing of like, bring your whole self. Maybe for me, that's how I felt in the last year where it's like, I'm bringing my whole me because it's my work life and my, my personal life. Yeah. The authentic you, right? Right. Yeah. And, and people <laughs> believe that. I mean, people really yeah. do want to have authentic experiences. Yeah, for sure. All right. Are we ready to dive into the, I think the meat so. of this? Yeah, I do. I mean, I hate to be the pessimist. <laughs> I know. But yeah, there's well, been it's, some it's, challenges too. But every challenge is an opportunity, right? True. All right. Where should we start? Well, I mean, I think the one thing that, you know, I think no one will be surprised that the survey showed that the biggest issue that companies and leaders are struggling with is mental health. And mental health is not something that we've talked about professionally in a big way up until the last couple of years. And even then, it was a webinar or a resource or something that HR kind of pointed you to. I think for the first time, we're actually talking about it every day. Beyond the how are you doing, it's the how are you doing, how are you coping, what skills are you using? Yeah, and there, there, there are different levels of this too, right? In terms of you know how are you doing versus someone that's really, really being affected, going into severe depression or anxiety. You know, there are really some deep levels of mental health that still, I think, our people are uncomfortable talking about. Yeah. This morning I was watching something uh, on the news and they were, they were making the point that, you know, real extroverts are actually experiencing depression for the first time ever because they can't do what they're built to do, which is engage with people. And so, you know, I think in the survey, they said people were 14.9% more likely to say things like, I'm really struggling. And that is a huge admission in terms of the overall pace and overall connectedness. Yeah. That was a, that was a big eye-opener for me. And as I thought about it uh, in my own experience, I've, I've heard people say that, hey, I'm mm-hmm. really struggling. The, the volume of work has increased and there's no boundary. You know, it's not yeah. like you pack, you know, it's not like you turn down your machine, you get in the elevator, you go down to the parking garage, you get in the parking garage, you drive home 20 minutes. I mean, I can walk from this door to my life and it's three steps. Right. Um, and right. there's no, there's no transition. And so you do feel like you're kind of always on. Well, I guess one thing for listeners, if you're struggling, you're not alone because <laughs> it, it goes back to that old adage of, you know, everyone's fighting a battle you can't see. Yeah. But I think now it's, it's okay to talk about it. And I think that also goes back to the other thing in the survey that about people were about five times more likely to say that they were working more hours during the pandemic than they were the year prior. And I think that's actually true. I've done more 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. calls, more 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. calls in the history of ever. And I've had big global roles in different companies, but it just does seem like the day just is like water and just keeps broader and broader and broader. Do you think there's still a, a big hesitation for folks who, you know, we're all working those long hours, but still a hesitation to just carve out time? And go for that walk or that bike ride during the day or whatever, just to give yourself that break. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the philosophy of Mark, which is great. It's my favorite thing to talk about. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Here's the thing that you'll see with any company is the companies don't know. They're going to take as much as they're willing to give. The trick for all of us is setting boundaries. And what I've discovered over the years, and this was when I was working in the office, but also when I was working remote, if you have sacred time, 
it maybe it's your lunch run every day or if you know in the old days it was picking up your kids at 3 p.m or i remember when my kids were small you know the dinner hour was sacred i wouldn't take anything between let's say 5 30 and 7 30. if you set those boundaries and you don't cave the first time the second time the third time no one will ever come back to you again because they'll know oh that's his sacred time i understand that is a personal priority where we struggle and where I struggle is when you cave. Oh, I'll skip my, my lunch run today because this thing is really important and it's just a run. And then you you know the next day you're like, oh gosh, I'm so depressed or I'm so worn out or I don't have any energy. And all of a sudden you're like, well, wait, that it wasn't just a run. That was the time I needed to go recharge my battery. If my phone was out of battery, I would stop and charge it. We have to remember that when we're out of battery, you have to stop and charge yourself. That's right. That's a really good point. And I've, I've tried, you know, blocking out time on my calendar. And when I go to someone else's calendar, I see they've, they've got time blocked out. And sometimes it just says busy. And when you know when they've got all these busy, 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 you know, yeah. you go, well, they're not really blocked out. So I'm going to grab time. I'm going to put an invite on there. And you're right. If they, if they accept it, now I've learned that they're, that's not sacred time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe the maybe the hack is you actually put in your calendar that sacred time. So when others see it, yeah. they know. Yeah. Years ago, I, I was really into color coding my calendar. And whenever I had hardcore personal time, I blocked it as the brightest red I could find. Yeah. And I think that was a little bit of a psychological tip for folks. But mm -hmm. we're doing an experiment here, which I'm really excited about, where we're doing no meeting Fridays. Um, mm. And I think that's really another one where you can begin to set the tone at different levels where yeah. it's like, hey, I get it. We're doing you know seven, eight, nine hours worth of meetings a day. That's a lot. Let's find one day a week where it's you know you can really double down on either deliverables or thinking or planning or whatever that looks like. So we've been doing that for about four weeks now, and it's been terrific because you feel like you end your week not frazzled, but kind of planful. Can that be snowboard Fridays? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish, right? Um, yeah, the nice thing, well, the good news, bad news is with the way the resorts are set up right now is you have to have a, a reservation for most of them. So oh, you kind of have to, so the good news is you actually have to plan it, especially on those, on Fridays and Saturdays mm -hmm. in particular. Yeah. Because if you don't have a reservation, you can't go. And so once you have the reservation, then you sort of feel locked into it anyway. And so that is a yeah. nice way. It's almost like when you buy a really expensive gym membership, you use it because you spent the money more than the fact that you know that you need to go do exercise. Okay. I like that idea. I might execute that one. No, no meeting Fridays. Yeah. I mean, I think the way, the way we started it was, um, you know, afternoon on Fridays, uh, which worked out great for me because a lot of our folks are on the East Coast or in the UK. Um, yeah. So it really opened up the end of uh, Friday for me. But I think, you know, those types of initiatives where you, everyone is given an opportunity to create boundaries. I think that's maybe the first step. Yeah, that's really nice. The second thing I would recommend, just based upon my experience, you know, over the years, is going back to that vacation stuff. And you know, too often, especially now that we've been kind of caving on our personal boundaries, letting work kind of permeate our personal lives, is we're not going on vacation because, like, oh, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't get on a plane and go on vacation. But really, not working on vacation and encouraging your people not to work on vacation, and then proving it by you as a leader, not sending them emails on vacation. Just something yeah. that simple yep. sets a tone that says, oh, that day, if you go sit in your, your den and read a book all day, if that gives you energy and you don't have to worry about the buzzing of your phone or the emails mm -hmm. or whatever. And so I think there's something about that as well. 
I like that one. I'm, I'm guilty of that. I, I send emails to my team when they're on vacation thinking, okay, they're on vacation. I don't expect them to answer, but the fact that I'm sending it to them, might they might think they need to answer. So that that's putting some pressure on them. Yeah. And I think it's also about setting the tone. I, I remember I had a big team once years ago when they were all over the world and uh, someone, a really good frontline manager came to me and said, hey, I get you use Sunday night as your catch-up time. Sunday night is my family time. So mm-hmm. you can send me as many emails as you want on Sunday night. Just don't hit send. And so I would just go into Outlook, go offline, chunk through all my emails, and then she would get to the office on Monday morning, and all of a sudden, 30 emails would pop in, and she was cool with that. 30 emails on Monday morning, I'm all about. 30 emails Sunday at 11 p.m., I'm not. And yeah. it was such a simple, easy request for me to just, I needed to get it done, but I didn't need to make it her problem on that particular time. You know, last year, I, that's a great one. Last year, I went on vacation for a week and I totally unplugged. I didn't turn on anything. And I got back and Monday morning, we had a team meeting and, and my boss said, hey, just want to congratulate Rob. <laughs> right. And, and, and he was sincere. I mean, yeah. he let everybody know, hey, Rob really turned off. And I'm, you know, because he wanted to set the tone and say, hey, that's, that's acceptable. I, I want you guys to do that. Yeah. I, I had an admin once that she was terrific. And, uh, when I go on vacation, I, I send an email, or I send an out of office email, and it basically says, "I'm not responding to anything. I trust you. I know you got this. If for some reason the world ends, here are the three ways that you can contact me. But I'm not reading your emails." And she came to me and she said, "So does that mean when I go on vacation, I can do the same thing?" And I was like, "Of course." And she said, "I haven't had a real vacation in 18 years. I've always worked on my vacation." Oh man! I am so excited. My husband and I were going to go to Hawaii, and I'm not going to do email for a week. And she was virtually in tears. And I thought, that was the easiest thing I've ever done, letting someone not work on their vacation. <laughs> so yeah, it's, sometimes it's the simplest things. It is. It is. You know, I, I love going sailing. And uh, I remember the first time they, they had cell service down on the Virgin Islands. It was, it was in one way exciting, but also very disappointing because I used to be totally off the grid there. Yeah. Now I got to go sail. That's why I'm into blue water sailing because then I can get, of course, if the boat has satellite, now they're connected. So it's, it's, it's almost impossible to be off the grid in, in, this, in this world. It is hard. It is hard. I did a, I did a ski trip last week and uh, I tried to stay off of all, all socials and you can do it, but you know, it does require a little bit of a commitment. But I would say I came back probably more energized than I've ever been, especially given that where we're at from a pandemic perspective. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. What else do you talk about? Well, I mean, and I don't think anyone will be surprised. There was quite a bit of feedback around access and red tape and overhead. And again, I think this is one of those things where when you're in an office environment and the people are around you, some of those process steps that bug you, you go, oh, Sally knows how to fix that. I'll go over to Steve's office and I'll just get him to push the button on that thing. And oh, that approval, yeah, I'll just pick up the phone and have that person change it. And all of a sudden, those steps that you were just kind of like, oh, I'll walk around and fix it throughout the office becomes this arduous process of time zones and people and steps and emails. And I think that red tape that we sort of just dealt with, bad process, if it were, all of a sudden has become a real problem. It's just like, oh my gosh, how do I get this thing approved? Yeah. I see that for sure. And, you know, we, we always talk about when we're talking channels, make it easy. Yeah. Be, be easy to work with. But when you as an employee don't find your own environment easy to work with, and you've got all that red tape and things like that, like you said, you can't just go down the hall. Yeah. That's, that's just 
piling on the stress, right? And aggravation. Yeah. And again, I mean, again, I think everybody wants to, to show that they're working hard from home, that they're, that they can be trusted in that work environment and they're doing the right thing. But all of a sudden it's like those steps are just like, you know, and, and even a simple thing, like, let's say I have a IT ticket uh, for some challenge I'm having with my machine. You know, normally if I, someone didn't get back to me, I would walk down to the help desk and the person would be there to help me through it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, if I can't handle this, I'm going to have to mail my machine to a depot. And then I don't know what I'm going to do for a loaner. I'll be doing OA for a while and I'll mm -hmm. lose some of my, and it's like, well, wait, can we just make this easy for people? And I think that's where the partner opportunity comes in because partners right. do the best job of removing any friction that a vendor has or series of vendors have around delivering a solution. And so as much as it's been challenging for all these individuals, middle managers and companies, it's also a really interesting business opportunity for partners. So from that guard, kind of flipping into that mode, all these kind of HR, mental health, all these other challenges that we were talking about, how does that flip and translate into that larger IT opportunity? I mean, I, you won't believe this, but I have had more meetings with on technology business decision-making meetings with customers where the VP or, or head of HR or the COO is in the room talking about how does this impact my people in the last 10 months than I have in my entire career. And, and that includes a time when I was actually selling HR software. <laughs> so, you know, it is very interesting because nobody wants to create or send any additional challenges downstream to the users. And that's where as a partner, all of a sudden there's a new buying center or a new uh, decision maker in your process where it's not maybe just the traditional IT guy or the line of business folks that you've been working with. But now it's really about how does this impact the people? Can I take a few steps out? Can I save them having to VPN by using a secure workspace? Can I create some micro apps that connect these three applications by taking out seven steps? That's really helpful to the people and it takes some of the friction out. Maybe the IT person wouldn't have saw that as a big deal because it's like, well, it all works. You know, it doesn't matter if it takes seven minutes or 27 minutes, but the HR person is all of a sudden, or the COO is looking at it and saying, well, that's much more efficient and it's a lot less stress and strain on that user. Mm -hmm. Are you seeing this in the channel yet? You know, you look at partners and they have a, you know, industry practice, a might be insurance or manufacturing. Maybe they have a marketing CMO, customer experience practice. Do you think there's going to be more and more partners going and developing that kind of workplace Workplace innovation. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, th yeah. And I, and I think you just nailed it. I think it's about that customer life cycle. And so I think if we go back in the time machine, the way we grew up in the channel, everything was sort of around the sale, that one-time sale of a perpetual license that's going to go on-prem. We're going to work really hard to do it. A lot of like demos and very technical stuff, work really hard, sell it. And then we come back to it three years later, and then we try to drive an upgrade. In a cloud world, we're constantly selling and the customers voting with their feet or you know with their fingertips on the keyboard every single day and so we have to make sure that we're engaged across the whole life cycle of that customer's experience which makes it harder from a monetization perspective because you're not getting it in big one big lump sum you're getting it in monthly bits and pieces but if you're listening to your customer at each of those instrumentation points 
It's an opportunity to sell them more, deliver more value, cross-sell, upsell, outsource a service, manage a service. And I think that's where we kind of shift from, you know, I don't want to say fulfillment channel because we've always done more than that, but we shift from that one-time implementation to this always managing process. Right. And it sounds like your your first entree into a company might be through not not IT, but through HR, right? Solving an HR problem. Yeah. I mean, it may be HR. I mean, I think, you know, in, in the last 10 years, last five years, we've really seen line of business become that that center yeah. of gravity. To your point, you know, it might be from a vertical perspective. These three applications play really well together for a vertical solution. But increasingly, I think there are other decision makers in the process and we can expand the aperture to really focus on what does that impact look like for the user? And at a minimum, make sure that whoever we're selling to understands we're going to make things faster, simpler, easier, less painful for a user. And by that very nature, less challenging for managers who may have 100 people in the field or 200 people in the field or 300 people in the field, which makes the company overall more efficient. Yep. So I always like to jump into sort of people's channel background. But before I do that, was there anything else that jumped out at you on this study? Well, you know, in the study, they, they did say middle managers are really feeling it. Yes, that's and right. I think that is, again, goes back to that issue of they're kind of stuck in the middle because people need them more as human relation. They, they need you more as a human being manager, an empathetic manager than maybe they did in the past. And so they, you know, their, their life is reality now. You, you're seeing, you know, the kids running around in the back of the Zoom meeting or you know, they've got their own challenges. And so the middle managers are feeling a lot of pressure because their people are distributed and they, they can't see them and be with them. and Everything's a bit abstracted. And then the pressure hasn't stopped because the reality is the economy does have some signs of waning. The way in which customers are buying has gone from that perpetual license sale to this, you know, incremental month by month. And the you got to keep the revenue train running. And so I think middle managers are really feeling the brunt of some of that. And I think that, again, goes back to this is where they're so instrumental to what we do. We have to think about what are some of the patterns that middle managers are dealing with. Is it about employee burnout? Is it about uh, employee you know, systems and tools and processes? Is it around the hardware that, that, that they have themselves? You know, maybe we were, you were on a three-year refresh cycle in your company, and now you realize, wow, you know, with all of these different modalities of video conferencing, I need machinery with better cameras, or I need something with a better GPU. And you may want to rethink, like, you know, just getting someone a new laptop might be enough to get them through the next year of stress. And in years past, you would have gone, well, our policy is a three-year refresh, and then you just go, wow, you know, if we can retain 5% of our people by just getting them a, a machine six months earlier, let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the return. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So any middle managers listening, <laughs> carve out that sacred time. Yes. Protect your calendar. Protect your calendar and request that upgrade to your to your laptop. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And and we're with you. Like I'm with you. I, I feel it too. It's It's a lot, but we're all in this together. Yep, we are for sure. All right, cool. So let's jump a little bit. So I know you like snowboarding. Are you a guitar player? I'm not. That's my son. So it's my son's that's guitar. Your, uh, your son's a guitar player. Yeah. So no, I would say my my big passions are snowboarding, cycling, bicycling. Uh, and then this last year, I've really gotten into photography. Photography. Um, and so that's been a real challenge for me. It's quite technical at times. 
but I really enjoy that. And then I read, I don't know, 50, 60 books a year. So I read quite a bit. Interesting. What got you into photography? <laughs> Interestingly, Instagram of all things. Oh yeah? You wanted to post better pictures? I didn't know what to post and I'm not a selfie guy. And you know, a lot of my friends were always asking, hey, you travel a lot, you go all over the world, but I never see you, you know, posting a selfie of yourself somewhere. And I thought, well, I can post pictures of where I've been. And uh, I started to do that. And uh, it was really fun when I was traveling a lot, you know, because you'd, you'd be in Paris and you'd take a picture of the Eiffel Tower or whatever. But what I've discovered even here at home, I mean, there's like a little bike path behind my house that has a little elevated wooded walkway and it's kind of a serpentine pattern. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And mm -hmm. I might find like an old, this happened on Sunday, an old international harvester pickup truck in Snoqualmie, Washington. And I'm like, wow, the rust spot on that headlight is really interesting. And maybe I'll take a snap of that. And I come home and I edit it and play with the picture. And I found that to be really fun, relaxing. Did, are you using an iPhone or did you get a, a real SLR? I, I mean, I do have a real digital camera. I use both. Huh? Um, I what, I've, what I try to do is a little bit of both. And then mm -hmm. on the back end, uh, I use Lightroom from Adobe to do some very light editing, You know, particularly for something like an Instagram because the pagination is a sort of square. So you know you want to kind of go to that one by one aspect ratio, but yeah, and I you know I I do a little bit of both. Very fun. I was into it early, early in in my I don't even want to say career pre career. I got into it a little bit. I think someone gave me a camera and I got a an old Pentax K thousand one thousand or something. Learned all about f stops and all of that. Yeah, I mean the only the bad thing about being old is sometimes the controls are hard to see. <laughs> but that's the great thing about software is you know if you've taken an okay picture you know, depending upon the, the way that you've set up the shutter speed and the lighting, you can fix most of it in post-production. That's true. And there's a lot of really nice, elegant, simple hacks that you can do in something like the Lightroom that can clean up just the smallest accidents. Particularly, I, I sometimes have um, challenges with composition, photo composition, but I often find that, you know, I may have taken a big panoramic shot. And then when I look at it, I realize, oh, it was just this left-hand quadrant that was interesting. You crop it down and brighten it a little bit. And all of a sudden you say, well, that's a pretty decent photo. I'll have to bring you along on my next sailing adventure. You can be the, the boat photographer. I would love it. I, would lo I mean, I love the, the blues of the ocean and the skies and sunsets and clouds. And yeah, that would be a ton of fun. Let's they do are it. phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, no meeting Friday. We'll head out. Yes, for sure. <laughs> yes, we will do a, a sail ex 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 trip. A trip. All right. Well, Mark, thanks so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. I think a lot of little fun little tips too that we uncovered of some things that simple things that we can do to try to alleviate the the stress of of being on full 24 by 7 it feels like sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I think if we can create some boundaries for ourselves, allow people to have some boundaries, be clearer in terms of our overall operating model, and then recognize that everybody's struggling a little bit. I think that goes a long way. You know, that that Brene Brown stuff around clear is kind and, and showing up with your real, authentic, empathetic self, I think that will get us a long way. And I think for channel partners, you know, the future's super bright because this type of work is gonna persist and you're gonna have a hybrid environment of people working in offices and people working remotely. And the experience has to look the same in both locations. And I think it just gives us an opportunity as, as channel leaders and as, as part of the channel ecosystem 
to just take and build very seamless experiences for customers and the customer's users. Excellent. Well, how can people connect with you? You're, you're pretty, uh, I don't say prolific on LinkedIn. I see a lot of great posts. Is that the best place to find you? Yeah. I mean, you can, you can follow me on LinkedIn for sure. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Monday and like the day. You can see my weird pictures from all over the place, mostly <laughs> here in Western Washington. I'm going to check that out. That looks like, that sounds like but fun. yeah, feel, feel free to hit me up on on LinkedIn. Uh, that's probably the place that I spend the most time posting professionally. But you'll find that I actually post quite a bit around mental health and well-being. And I found that that's a really interesting and emerging area of leadership. And I, I probably get the best responses from people when I post about a mental health tip or a mental health suggestion or oftentimes books that I've read where I, I find some some professional hacks. Well, thank you for doing it because it brought it to my attention. So yeah, yeah, I think up. I think we're all you know we all want to we all want to show up as our best selves. And again, you know, ten years ago, I probably wouldn't be the guy to talk about this in any way, shape, or form. But hopefully, I've grown over the years. And I think you know it's uh, it's great when you learn about people. It just helps you feel like you can make a bigger impact in this community that we are of, of channel people. Absolutely. All right, great. Well, enjoy the rest of the winter on the slopes there. Yeah, Rob, thank you so much. We are having an awesome winter and I am stoked to get back out. And when this thing is over, we'll get you back up here to your home front of Seattle and we'll do some uh, rainy skiing, which sometimes is known as trash bag skiing. We <laughs> cut out the arms and the head and you go skiing in the rain, but it's still a lot of fun. So we'll do some trash bag skiing. I'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks, Mark. See ya. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Hey guys, that was a pretty thought-provoking topic with some great tips for avoiding burnout. I love the idea of no meeting Fridays and, and carving out sacred time on your calendar. After this interview, I've, I read an article about people starting to create fake commutes, like Mark mentioned, going out for a coffee before work, and even fake commutes between meetings like we used to have just walking down the hall to the next meeting or going from building to building, those things that we just don't have today in the, in the virtual world. You can find all the show notes from today's episode with links to that Citrix study at www.channeljourneys.com backslash CJ67. And be sure to subscribe while you're there. Next episode, we're going to dive into measuring partner and customer experience to drive the most important aspect of your business, customer success. I'll see you next time. And until then, have an awesome channel journey. Thanks for listening to Channel Journeys. For show notes and other Channel Journey podcasts, visit channeljourneys.com. If you liked today's show, please forward it to your channel friends and be sure to tune in for Rob's next channel adventure.